Welcome to the Stoll Community of Faith podcast. The Stoll Community of Faith Church is located where we like to say Topeka and Lawrence meet at 1596 East 250 Road. Our new pastor, Kyle Scheidemann, will begin on January 1st, 2023. Our guest speaker this Sunday is Wayne Castle, retired United Methodist pastor and has previously served our church family. Thank you. Um, Mark, as you talked about the pews, uh, I remember at a time many years ago, I served at church um, near, uh, well, called Gridley. Um, and the first time I walked into the building, they had just recently taken out all the pews and redone the floors. Only one problem. Nobody numbered the pews. And they could not figure out how to put them in right. They were, like this church, Kerr pews, and um, they, they never could. They asked me, can you figure it out? We'll give you a bonus. <laughs> that was an incentive. Uh, and I couldn't figure it out either. So they lived with pews improperly positioned because no one took the time figure out numbering them. Something so simple as that. We're still early. That could happen here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hope for the best. Uh, I, I would like to start this morning with just some elementary ideas about Christianity and about the Bible and about the, the first four books of the New Testament. You all know what they are. Name them with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Of these four books, which was the first one written? Mark. Mark was the first one written. Also, Mark does not contain a nativity story. Nor does John. But Matthew and Luke contain different renditions of the nativity story. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the difference between the stories. Uh, you know, what we normally do is sort of put it all together, but it's, it's one of the things that's very interesting, and I was reading a different translation. It was the revised uh, King James Version, if you've seen that. And when it comes to the story of the singing of the, it, 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 uh, the, she the shepherd's story, um, it capitalizes it with words not found in, in, other, in any other translation. It said, the angels sang. The only problem is, is as you read the story, it does not say, the angels sang. It says, the angel said. And no matter what translation you look at in, it says, said, not saying. Now, if you know uh, the pastor, David Jeremiah, who's pastors a church south of San Diego called Saddleback Church. Uh, not Saddleback? Rick Warren. What? Rick Warren. Uh, Rick Warren, okay. But anyway, he's at a uh, church. Um, in, in California, and I heard him talking one time about the 
reason why the angels don't sing. And this was his idea. Uh, he says, the angels don't sing because they do not know the joy of forgiveness. Angels don't sing because they don't sin. You understand that? Okay. Kind of an interesting insight. But no matter, and I've looked at all the translations that I can find, and none of them will say that the angels sang. But we have a song, angels uh, on glory. And, you know, uh, we, we often think about the facts that, that here the shepherds are in the fields and the angels singing from the, from the heavens. But the Bible does not say it that way. Um, as was said in the lighting of, of the Advent wreath, uh, we talked about scriptures that talk about angels. What is an angel? Many of you will, will remember a book written by Dale um, Evans. Remember that book? What's, what's the name of it? My Little Angel. Angels Unaware. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Dale Evans, uh, Rogers, um, and, and they had a child, and the child was uh, Down syndrome. They thought it was a terrible curse at first. But they found in that ability to love that child, they found an angel of which they were unaware. Have you met an angel? Yeah. <laughs> yes, any of us can be angels, and we can make angels. Uh, I want to share with you, uh, I've done some reading this past week, and one of the books that I ran onto um, I've had for years, and um, when, I, when I opened it up, I thought, I've never read this book. I don't know how long I've had it. It was published in 1987. Originally, it was published in 1935 by a person who was pastor of a church in Topeka, Kansas, First Congregational Church, and his name was Charles Shelton. Does anybody know the name of the book? I'll show you the book. That helps a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. It's called In His Steps. And have, have any of you read that book? Out of it comes a slogan that's been used time and time again. It is everything we do, we do what Jesus does. We ask the question before we act, what would Jesus do? The story is, it is a novel. Uh, was written uh, by Charles Shelton, who, who served that church for 35 years. And uh, he uh, had a Sunday evening service, namely geared to youth. And what he did is that he wrote this book in sections, weekly sections, and he, he would read a chapter, chapter every Sunday evening. It was also published in Chicago by a Christian newspaper. And out of that came the, the, the difficulty 
The book was never copyrighted. The book has been published over 30 million times. At the time in which it was written and published by a different company, anybody could publish it because it was no uh, copyrighted. The, the, the copy that I have is the called the authorized version. Uh, it uh, didn't bear his signature. And, uh, but he would write it in weekly sections. I want to tell you a little bit about the story. In this town of Richmond, which he does not define state, there's a pastor by the name of Henry Maxwell who pastors this church. It's the church where the people who are well-to-do go. You may have known of those types of churches. Uh, the people who run the banks, who run the factories, who run the stores, who live in the nice part of town, who have plenty of money and, uh, you know, they, they live well. And uh, they're musicians. It's, it's, it's the best music that money can buy. One day on Friday, Henry Maxwell, the pastor, is hard at work at his home study, writing out his sermon for Sunday. As he's writing out this sermon, uh, his wife says, I need to run to the store. I'll be gone a couple of hours. And he says, that's fine. I just don't want to be bothered because I've got this sermon I've got to finish. And so she left. And so, shortly after she left, he heard the doorbell ring. He was able in his study to be able to look out the window and see who was at the door. He didn't know what to do. It was a scroungy looking man, undoubtedly homeless, a dusty old hat, worn out shoes. He thought at first that what he would do is just to ignore it as though no one's home. But the more he heard the doorbell ring, the more he was inclined to go to the door. So he finally did. He opened up the door, and the man said, I'm sorry to bother you, but I haven't had any work for almost a year. You see, I was a linotype operator, and they mechanized my trade. And none of us had work anymore. And we didn't know how to train ourselves for another job. I had to leave my family with the care of some relatives. And I've been trying to find a job, and no one will hire me. And Reverend Maxwell said, I'm sorry. I don't know anything I can do for you. And the man said, thank you. And turned and walked away. Sunday morning came. He preached his sermon. It was a great sermon. And at the end of the service sermon, there was a beautiful solo 
by a beautiful young lady who was headed for the opera. Then they sang a song, a hymn. It was this hymn, All for Jesus, All for Jesus, I give my all for Jesus. Yeah. And then as Reverend Maxwell got up to do the benediction, he saw the man that had been at his door coming down the aisle, walking slowly. In his hands was his hat, a dusty old worn out hat. And the man said, Reverend, I'm sorry to interrupt. But I have something I need to say. And he talked about needing a job. And he said, nobody will hire me. He said, my daughter is far away. I'd love to see her. I do not know how she is, but I hope she's doing well. And he said, I heard your pastor talk about following Jesus and doing what he would do. I wonder if anybody could help me. And then as he stood there awkwardly in front of people, standing there looking at them, he all of a sudden collapsed and fell to the floor. There was a doctor in the congregation by the name of Dr. Wise, and he came running up the aisle to see if he could help. And he said, I think he's had a heart attack. A few men carried him into the pastor's study. He regained his consciousness. They ended up taking him to the pastor's house. And on Friday of that week, one week after he met him the first time, the person which at that time they called a tramp, we would call it a homeless human being, Reverend Maxwell was trying to figure out what he would say on Sunday. He hoped the weather would be bad and maybe not many people would come because he was felt so awkward what to do after a person had collapsed in his sanctuary and then died. He prepared a sermon. And when he got up to preach, he did not preach the sermon that he prepared. In fact, is he stepped away from the pulpit and made this statement. What would Jesus do? And he preached upon that text it's often found in the scriptures about being a follower in the steps of Jesus Christ. And that's what basically the New Testament is all about, is being able to follow the one who came and gave his life so that we might be forgiven. 
And then that's almost a, a word of inspiration came into his heart. And he said, I want to ask those of you that are willing that as soon as I pronounce the benediction, meet me in the fellowship hall and let's talk about what we do. They pronounced the benediction and the organist began to play and the people began to file not out the door leading to the outside, but to the fellowship hall until it was packed with people. And he said, I want to challenge all of us before we do anything to do what Jesus would do. Who's the angel in this story? Is it Reverend Maxwell? He's part of it. But the real one is the tramp, the homeless man who is strong enough to give a message of accountability to us who call ourselves Christians. Let me change for a moment to a very different type of story. For years, my favorite comic is Johnny Hart's to BC and, and the Wizard of Oz. Johnny Hart, this book was written after Johnny died by his wife. It has an interesting title. It's very different than the title of um, Frank Sinatra's song, Do It I Did It My Way. This is, I Did It His Way. Let me share with you a little bit of the story of Johnny's life. Johnny was a, raised a casual Christian, as many of us have been. You may never miss a Christmas or an Easter or a baptism. But you don't pray. You don't read your Bible. To get down on your knees and pray to God is something you don't do. Oh, you may do it to your wife if you've done something wrong, but you would not do it otherwise. Johnny Hart's mother died at the age of 53 of cancer. And the little bit of faith that Johnny had in God became anger at God why his mother would die at such a young age. He was doing very well in his business. He was the first cartoonist to write cartoons in 1,000 different newspapers across America. Then they moved to a rural place with an interesting name, Nineveh, South Carolina. And he makes the comment that if you try to run from God, you may end up in Nineveh like Jonah did. 
He found that getting in this very rural area, good television reception was difficult. So he decided to put in a, a disc, one of those things that goes on to your house, you know, and you, you're able to access those unseen rays that travel through the air. And it happened to be that he hired a father and son team who were Christians. And they came and worked for about a week. And they used to test the, the TV Christian television stations. At first, Johnny was very upset with it. He wanted to say something to them and say, you know, find some other station. I don't want to listen to that stuff. But he was quiet for some unusual reason. And he began to hear ministers talking about salvation and confession, finding a new life. And he began to look into his own life and say, say to himself, there's been something missing in me. And so he finally one day on Sunday morning, he said to his wife, why don't we go to church? They had never been to church for years. His wife was reluctant. But next Sunday, the next Sunday, she got up a little early and she said, why don't we go to the Nineveh Presbyterian Church? And they did. And he became a Christian and began to put into his comics inspirational comics. I asked you the question, who's the angel here in this story? It's a couple of television men who just happened to share their faith. Not intentionally, probably. They didn't come out here to save him. But in the process, it happens. Could I tell you, in closing, a personal story? I began to think about being a minister when I was in high school. I worked for a company for four years through high school. Um, you may be aware of uh, what's called BMB, and they, they, they were the first ones to make a um, threshold. I worked for that company. Four years I did. I went after school, Saturdays and summers. The week that I graduated from high school, the owner of the company, Mr. Bottenberg, called me into his office and he said to me, I want to make a deal with you. I said, okay. I will pay your way through college if you will promise to come back and work for us. I said, well, I'm planning to become a minister. 
He sat there kind of surprised and said, well, I guess you're fired. <laughs> I had planned on the money from somewhere for work, college. I never got any scholarships to college. I worked my own way. You could do it that time. I went home brokenhearted. My mother happened to be at home, and I told her, I'm sure I had tears in my eyes, I said, I just got fired. What should I do? And she said, why don't you go to the business next door and see if they'll hire you? So literally, I went back downtown next door to the manufacturing plant was the theater, and next to the theater, there was a plumbing shop run by the Bennetts. And I went in and I said, I'm looking for a job for this summer. And they said, well, we're looking for somebody to work. So I got a job, and they paid me more. <laughs> but the story's not over. One of the jobs that we had that summer was to go to a little town in Westmoreland and install a heating system in the building. I, by far, was the smallest person on the crew. And there were pump pipes running underneath the floor of the gymnasium. And those held steam pipes and they had leaked, and there was water. And they gave me an unshielded light bulb, a heavy hammer, and a crowbar, and sent me in there to break cast iron joints so they could pull out the pipes. I electrocuted myself. I broke the light bulb, and I do not know who pulled me out. Somebody did. And if it wasn't for them, that angel of whom I'm not aware, I wouldn't be alive. And my wife wouldn't have a husband. Angels are all around us. We may be an angel to someone else. What an opportunity! So we're all potential angels, and every person we meet is a potential angel. You meet them all the time. You may meet one in a grocery store. I remember one time being in a grocery store, and the person ahead of me, you could tell that they were having a rough time, and they were short on money. So what did I do? Rather than making him return the groceries, I pulled out some money and said, let me help. I'm sure that person went home thinking, they just met an angel. What an opportunity we have to be angels. So as we celebrate Christmas this year and we talk about angels, let's apply for a job. Amen. Amen.